chilling. Brenda, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, no problem. You're a writer, an actor, a director, an editor. You know, uh, you wear many hats. <laughs> I can't wait to unpack all these hats that you wear. Producer, like the list goes on and on. And uh, I can't wait to talk about Rogue Angel, a project you have coming up. You've mm -hmm. done, you know, shorts in the past and documentary. This is your first, you know, I believe feature that you're a director as. But let me ask you first and foremost, how's life? How's everything? Life is good. Um, you know, COVID made me get rid of my day job. Uh, I was kind of forced out of it. And so I have been making films over the years, but uh, now it's my full-time gig. So <laughs> I'm hoping that Rogue Angel sells. I mean, that's pretty much, I'm kind of working on commission at this point. So we'll see how it all goes. I'm going all in. That's you know? the only way to do it. You got to go all in. Uh, I saw the trailer. Uh, the cinematography looks beautiful. I Doesn't gotta it? say, yeah, it looks the coloring and, and everything looks excellent. It, it, you know, the camera work, whoever was doing the camera. Glenn's student is amazing. Um, I don't know why he jumped on board with a bunch of crazy women because I have um, my girlfriend, uh, Julia Gar Julie Garcia, and then I have my daughter, and they're my first and second AD. So he literally was taking meetings with three crazy women, and it was like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a women empowerment movie, but it's going to have a little touch of horror, and we're kind of bashing on men a little bit. Are you okay with that? <laughs> And then, you know, he's really pretty expensive. Like, you know, his work is super quality. Uh, but yeah, I love Glenn. I think he's great. And he uh, he just wants what's good for the project. So, and he's editing. So he's been doing a lot of work. It's all, <laughs> it's all about what's good for the project. Like I'm writing a screenplay and my wife helped me out with this. And she like put a swerve in there. And, you know, it was kind of like female empowerment, but it made sense. Like, if you look at the Rise of Skywalker or, like, the new uh, Star Wars trilogy, you know, with the character of Rey, she was very powerful, and you believed it. And I like to see that. Like, I'm a big fan of mixed martial arts and boxing, mm -hmm. and women are, you know, out there, like, let's put it frankly, kicking ass. And Well, I think, too, it's just a sign of the times. I mean, um, yes. I kind of feel sorry for men in general because <laughs> right now it's like the time of the woman. And we're just kind of, we're like, hey, if you want to look our way, we're, we're, we're taking it. We're just going to take it and run with it. I don't know what's going to happen with that. I'm hoping it'll balance out because, you know, I really do, you know, I'm married to a man. I have a son. I love men. I just think that um, we're just kind of flexing our muscle a little bit. And uh, for some reason, Hollywood uh, is really looking at us. So um, I am hoping with Rogue Angel that uh, they'll look my way. Um, I have been, uh, I have met people from the Producers Guild, the president of the Producers Guild. So um, I feel like I could take this movie because I think it looks great. I mean, it just, it's so beautiful. I feel like you know, if they could just look at this, they would they would be blown away because I think that uh, the team and I have done just a, a phenomenal job. So that's what I noticed immediately when I saw the trailer. I was like, the visuals, the aesthetics, it was very aesthetically pleasing. And it just it has a beautiful tone to it. And I like 
the fact that again, let's go back to the female roles. Um, you look at what they're doing in life right now with mixed martial arts and boxing, and you know they're they're out there and stunts. Like you know, you've been around stunt academies. You've seen you know like well, Ali Fuller. It's is, amazing. Uh, I've, yeah, I've worked with Alan Woodman at the Las Vegas Stunt Academy a few times. Yes, and, indeed. Um, I knew that when I was going to do this, that Jackie Gahardi was a, a phenomenal stunt woman. And um, so I had her in mind a little bit. Uh, the actually the empowerment story actually came from my daughter because um, she was like, I want to do this because she was originally cast. But then um, just things happened. It's a non-union film and she's totally union. So she just didn't want to risk it. So she really yeah. wanted to do behind the scenes. Um, she did it. She's done a ton of work on this. Um, but uh, Jackie is the full-on stunt woman. She's amazing. She's a great actress. Um, and then with Alan Woodman and his stunt academy, his students, including you, came out and they kicked some ass at a bar out in the middle of nowhere for me. And I <laughs> still don't know why. <laughs> but I thought it was a really fun night. But I think we were there till like four in the morning. And yeah, and it, it got a little crazy. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think it all looks good. I mean, there's a couple little problems that I'm hoping we can do because we're doing our pickups on the 4th of September. So I'm hoping that I can fix those with insert shots. But uh, yeah, it's I think it's coming out great. Really. Well, it's great because you put a lot of passion into it. And that's where I want to go with this right now. Okay. Let's talk about where the passion and creativity, you know, where does that come from? Like what influenced you to get into this genre and uh, career path? Honestly, my genre of choice is comedy. Um, oh. Why did I pick this genre? Well, I had just uh, raised money for my micro series called Mom Squad. And uh, I had done a, a Seeds and Spark campaign and I raised all the money and I was posting a lot. And then when this Lucky 7th challenge came up, somebody called me and said, you have to uh, enter. So I was like, oh, I don't even know if I have time. I still have to do this mom squad thing. I mean, I have all these people that are depending on me. And then I was like, you know what? I'm home. I can do two projects, no problem. So I submitted and I was actually shocked that I was picked. <laughs> but I was like, okay. But the thing is with the feature film as opposed to comedy is that comedy will not sell unless you have a named actor. So that can be a problem in itself. Um, so, and of course I didn't raise enough money to pay a named actor. And then all the SAG fees. So I uh, I knew I had to do some sort of horror, but I wanted to do horror my way. You know what I mean? But uh, as far as the passions, I was an actor when I was a kid. I did a lot of theater. Uh, my mom is an actor. My dad was an actor. Um, I pretty much grew up that way. And then uh, I kind of took some time off because I had three kids. And then my youngest really got into acting. When she was eight years old, I took my, my mom took her to an improv class and she got queen of the improv. And so she's, and then she just started doing like microfilms and little films. And then, so I was basically a momager. And actually my mom did all that because I was working, <laughs> but I was basically her momager. And then um, I wanted to make a film and she was getting ready to graduate high school. And that's how we did Unintended because I wanted to do a film about uh, what can happen uh, with your teenagers if you're not paying attention? Because I was a latchkey kid. So I, I thought, well, I can do this. And so I just did it. 
that's it. You know, I got a really good uh, director. She's a lady. It was her first time, but she was great. And then I got the guy my daughter had just done a film with. He was like the DP. And so they they just kicked ass on that. I think Unintended is actually a very good film. It's just hard to, it, you can't sell a short film too much. I think it's starting to come up, but um, I do think it's a, I think it's beautiful. I was just producer on it. I, we raised the money and I wrote it. I, I wrote the story, but then I paid uh, Sean Jackson to uh, write the screenplay because I just felt like I was way too new, you know, and then. Uh, I, I love this segue to what you're talking about with writing. I was going to ask you about that because that's a whole different cap to wear. Like I said, like you wear many hats, like you produce, you act, you edit. Writing is not an easy endeavor. Oh, um, God, no. That's the hardest thing for me. I'm a terrible student. I barely graduated high school, just so you know. Um, I was very, uh, always preoccupied. I don't know if I'm ADHD, but I definitely, like, have a hard time focusing on stuff. Um, the writing is, I wrote in a 60-page screenplay for the Lucky 7 Film Challenge, and then I threw it away. Because it just didn't feel right. Like I was listening to everybody else and what they wanted for their story. And I just got crazed. And then it just didn't make any sense. So three weeks before my, I hit my personal deadline, um, I had to write an entire different script. And I had to shut out all the noise. And uh, I abandoned my husband. I abandoned my life. And I just pretty much did that. But my family really uh, helped because like when I would take a break, I would ask them a lot of questions like, what would you like to watch? And and then uh, my son actually had a, he has a great horror film idea that I'd like to do later, but I knew I couldn't do it in this genre. So I thought that, or in this, it, with a woman empowerment thing. So um, I just felt like, uh, so I took a little bit from everybody. And then my husband's super smart and he helped me solve a lot of the problems because when you write it's problem solving so it's like well how do I make go from one place to the next and have it make sense to the audience so that was that it was tough but I feel like it's a really good script it's very dramatic I'm a little melodramatic so but that's where you know that's how I grew up my father played the evil villain in every melodrama in town when I was in Huntington Beach when I was a kid he always had that dark look so uh, I grew up around that, you know, you know, the, the, the villain, the hero, the damsel in distress. So I wanted to switch it around. That's you know? the way to do it. Especially like, you know, when you could collaborate with a loved one, because, you know, if you're with the right person, they're going to be honest with you. They'll tell you like, Hey, this needs to be course corrected or this scene doesn't make any sense. Like my wife helped me with my screenplay. My stepdaughter, who's 12 years old, helped me, <clears throat> excuse me, with my screenplay. And it was amazing, like her ideas and suggestions that she had. And, uh, you know, we're waiting to get green lighted on it and all that kind of stuff. And it's right. a lot of fun, but it, it's great to have like a lot of minds that work. And if you're open-minded, like, you know, that's what you have to be in this industry. You have to be open-minded. And I think, too, you have, I don't, you know, I know there's people that are, like, very solidary and that, you know, it's, like, my film and me and, and this. I've, I'm a team player. Like, I do listen to people. Yes. Um, I think that, 
there is no I in filmmaking. I'm telling you, if you think you can do it all by yourself, you're pretty much screwed. Um, <laughs> I I always try to pick the best people. I feel like I. I feel like I was upset that I was first on the Lucky 7 Challenge because two people dropped out ahead of me because I felt like I was the least experienced. And then, but I did, I hate changing my time because, you know, actors' times, I, I mean, I'm paying them, but not much. And, and so, like, you know, actors' time is valuable. People's time is valuable, and I don't like to play with people's time. So I just kept to it, and I, I worried about it, and I, I think I, I did pretty good. Uh, but, you know, only because of their teamwork. And if, you know, I want to tell people when they're doing filmmaking, especially when they're getting started, and let's say you're not paying anybody just to get started, which we all do, I think you need to understand that, their time is valuable and they're doing it for free and they're doing you a favor and they're going to bring their best work if you treat them well. So you have to treat everybody well because everybody, everybody contributes the boom mic guy, the, you know, and then everybody wants to work with you again because you treated them well. And, and I think, uh, I think that's really the key to building relationships, especially in a small community that we have here. That's everything in life is treating people well. Like I ran a company for many years, a music studio. I always treated my employees well. And there were some times you went through some, you know, troublesome times, some duress. And if I had to take a hit, I would pay them before I pay myself mm -hmm. because they were going to battle for me. They were working for me and they were trying to get me to where I need to go to the next place. Yeah. And that's what I love about like, when you're around great work environments mm -hmm. and guess what you get out of that? You get a better performance out of the person. Well, you I think get, too, yes. like I worked with, you know, people that are a little more experienced than me. I mean, I have a lot of experience, but just, I like working with those people because I like their input. I mean, sometimes I have to say, look, I got this, but um, even like the night we were at the stunt, I'm not a stunt coordinator. I don't know what looks good. I don't know how that works. I knew that I just need to step out of the room because then I would be, I would, you know, it was take, it took a long time and yeah. I wanted to step out of the room and just let him ha have at it because, and it looks great. Like we just finished editing that part and it just looks amazing. Uh, but I, sometimes, you know, being a good leader is knowing when to step back to, uh, and, and, you don't hire people that you don't think can do the job because you've got to, you got to let go sometimes. So that's basically, that's my style. I like getting people that are good. Um, I feel like the actors that I got because I was first was, I, I got the best actors in Las Vegas. I truly believe that. Um, and uh, they are, they're in it. They're in it a hundred percent. I don't have to worry about if they're going to show up, they'll show up. So that's nice. And I have a one, one 12, 12 hour day of filming to do uh, with pickups. Uh, hopefully it's 12 hours because we were working like 16 hours because, you know, it's supposed to be uh, in, in seven to 10 days and you got $7,000. So it, it's not a lot of money. So basically if people got into this for money. They're probably, you know, <laughs> they're, they're, they were wrong. Uh, and, and I didn't pay myself anything. And, um, I, instead of getting an investor for my film, because we had that option, um, I am paying for my own post-production. So, wow. uh, because I wanted to own more of this film because I really think it's, it's good. 
it's well, really you're investing good. in yourself. It's a, it's a gamble, but at the same time, if you really believe in yourself, and this is going to sound corny, it's going to sound like a little Eminem ish. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you only got one chance. You go out there and get it. But if you invest in yourself and you really believe in it, the great things can happen. So let's talk about like how this all came together. Like, um, I did talk about your influences and what got you started. But uh -huh. do you have like favorite films or TV series that like oh, influence favorite, you? Oh my God. My favorite TV series is Good Girls. And that's kind of uh, what the whole mom squad thing is kind of there. But we're a little zanier. Like our comedy is zanier. There's a little more realistic. Ours is like totally like, you know, Pratt Falls, crazy stuff. But um, yeah, Good Girls is one of my favorite series uh, that is new. I guess they're going to come out with another season. Um, I, I like Stranger Things. We watch a lot of television. We're actually watching a series that's called uh, Hell on Wheels. Okay. And I've never heard of it I, no. before. And it's an old series. It was like six seasons. Like, okay, we've watched everything. It's really mm -hmm. good. And it's a Western. And I do have a 15-page uh, outline for a horror Western that um, I actually pitched that for this. But then I realized I can't do it. I can't afford a Western town. So that's why, that's why this is a little country, you know, because I wanted to kind of implement that. So do you like country music? I, you know what? I was a vocalist for seven years. Um, oh, okay. Uh, I trained professionally and then I got married and had children. So, uh, I, uh, I like all kinds of, I like some country. Bonnie Raitt's probably one of my favorites. Uh, she's more country rock and I'm more, you know, I like, I have a lot of influences. I have. Uh, I was going to ask you about music. I'm an '80s girl. So yes. Music. Uh, let's see. Um, what kind I, of '80s? Talk to me age. about the '80s. Yeah, I love new age music. Yeah, I can talk about the '80s all the time. It's funny because I got cast in this thing called Time Girl, and the guy who's running it, he's. You could tell. I think he's my age because everything he posts is '80s this and '80s that. Because I've never met him. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's crazy. And I was like, thank you for knowing who I am as a person. <laughs> I was going to ask you about time girl TV series coming up. you got a couple things going on yeah. attack of, uh, the aliens tombstone. And yep. you know, I, I can't wait to go there. I'm going to go there in a little bit. I don't want to jump ahead, okay. but let's okay. talk about favorite eighties bands. Okay. <laughs> Ryan is Toto. B-52s. <laughs> <laughs> Love Shack. I love them. Oh, my God. I just think they're, I, I don't know. It's probably a girl thing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. One uh, of my favorite drummers actually played for them, Jeff Beccaro, who oh, okay. in Toto, as a matter of fact. He oh, wow. played on everything in the 80s. Right, right, right. Before, my sister dated yeah. Brad Gillis from uh, Night Ranger. So, wow. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, she actually, well, she 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 knows a lot of stars. Let me just tell, tell you that. My sister's very good looking. Uh Maybe older now, but she's very good looking. Uh, but yeah, there's a, yeah, definitely. I, I, I love this conversation. Like <laughs> Boston, or oh, first of all, Night Ranger, Sister Christian, okay? Boogie Nights, mm -hmm. when that guy's all high and he's got Cosmo, who's Chinese lighting off fireworks oh, yeah. in the sure. background. He just does the drum fill. Oh, sure. You sure. motor and, and I can't sing. Yeah. I can yeah. play drums. I'm a musician. I'm a drummer uh -huh. and a guitar player professionally. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, I'm actually but, writing a song for this movie, but it's going to be a country western song. So I wrote the song? I'm writing one. I'm like, 
I literally have written it three different three different ways, so I'm not really sure if I want it slow, medium, fast, but it's definitely country. And um, I'm also uh, working for uh, looking for background music because I have somebody, but he's only got so much time to do the background music. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you got a guy right here. <laughs> country, and the thing is, is that like. Uh, some of the stuff you can buy online, um, I don't, I'm not really sure where I'm at. I, the DP has a friend that's a country like rock guy, but I don't, but he's, he's done a couple of short films, but I don't think he's ever done a feature. And so it's become a kind of a conundrum. And I almost feel like I've been playing on GarageBand and I'm like, I could literally just hit this button, hit this button. And that would be the background for the fight scene. I'll send you uh, some of my music that I do with Please my do. band and do. myself here. But yeah. uh, it's crazy because it's like when I start the show, I talked about you being a writer, an actress, a director, producer, right. editor, and you're also a musician. Well, yeah, Don't you do. know, uh, I think I kind of started out singing. I've been singing probably since I was four or five years old. Um, as a kid, I remember my aunt used to have these parties at her house every weekend and we would go over there and I had a cousin about my age and I would think, I think we were like four years old and we would put on puppet shows for the whole, and then we would, you know, it was like old fashioned, like you would perform for the family. Like we would spend the whole day planning and at the end of the night we would perform. So I feel like I've been producing shows my whole life and then singing is definitely something that I have been doing. Um, I think I entered every talent show in every school I ever was at, but I was no, I didn't really know anybody at school. I wasn't a real outgoing kid, but that was my way of like putting myself out there. You know, I got beat up a couple times <laughs> because no one really knew who I was. And when I put myself out there, you know how kids are. Kids are pretty. Oh, dude. My last name is Signorella. Do you know how much shit I caught? Oh, I, I was bet. Signorella wears her glass slipper. Oh, I'm yeah. Like, Signorella. Why do you think I got into boxing? I had to defend <laughs> myself. But yeah. uh, you were speaking about singers. My favorite singer of all time. I have, well, I should say I have two. Okay. I have Bobby Kimball from Toto, who I had the honor to work with. Nice. Um, you know, and he sang on one of my songs, and he's just a great, great guy. Uh -huh. And obviously, Freddie Mercury. Do you have a favorite oh. singer? Well, I love Freddie Mercury. Uh, oh, my God. I think female singers, honestly. Um, Bette Midler is one of my favorite singers. Ooh, I just yes. love her voice. And I love Bonnie Raitt's voice because it's kind of raspy. Um, there are – I I don't know. I kind of uh, – I like a lot of people. I tend to always – to start my day, though, I always go to Bonnie Raitt. I don't know why, but that's what I do. And my husband's a big Cure fan, so I kind of like, I like that a lot, you know? So I guess I'm all over the place. I don't like, I'm not a rap person, but my movie uh, Project 3000 actually has a rap song in it. So, because I wanted to bring everything up to date. So I'm pretty open as far as music is concerned. I actually want to get back into it. I just had a headshots done and stuff. And so she did one just for entertainment. So we'll see how that goes. If I can get all this other stuff done. <laughs> Female singers. I love Madonna, Pat Benatar. Mm, yes, Pat Benatar. You know, great. Like Madonna when I work out, it's it's always invincible. I, that's a, my first go-to. Um, I think the thing I don't really, I mean, I'm not saying Madonna's a great entertainer and she has a decent voice. Is she a great singer? Probably not. Uh, Kat Benatar is obviously vocally trained, and yes, I've gone and seen her a few times. Um, 
you know, like the Britney Spears and the Madonnas of this world are they're, they're pop princesses and they don't really have to have a great voice. You know, you get a lot of mixing going on. Um, but I, I, that's just my opinion. Uh, it, you know, everybody's got likes what they like based on how their hearing is or what they just like the quality. So it's all about quality. I, I pretty much trained uh, for country western and musical theater. That was pretty much my go-to. So I can do a lot of different music, um, but that's pretty much, uh, I'm a big belter. So, and actually I have a three and a half octave range, so. Whoa. Yeah. So do, do you think you could sing the chorus of Africa? No, I don't even know that. I, I know the song, but I don't really, I couldn't sing the chorus of Africa. Uh, what can I sing for you? Um, I'm not saying on the spot, I mean, you know. I'm, I'm just, just trying to think of what. That's, a, that's, you're high up then, right? What do you mean? Like your register, your vocal register, you can go high. I up. can go pretty high. I can go above high C. If I work, you know, when I'm doing operatic stuff, then I can do that. But uh, yeah, wow. I can go pretty high. But you know, I used to train kids how to sing, so I know I took seven years of vocal lessons, and I didn't really do it to for any other reason but personal enjoyment, because it was like the thing that I did every week, you right? Know? And so my vocal coach, well, I had a couple of them, but she was, um, she was a award-winning metropolitan opera singer. Wow. So, yeah. And I think, I think I was paying $15 a lesson. Okay. It was a long time ago, but it was worth every minute because she would definitely, you know, you just felt good when you went in and you felt good when you went out. And I think that's the quality of a good teacher. That is correct. I had a great drum instructor, Dino Calicari, who still is a great drummer. And my biggest mentor showed me everything. And, and that's having a great mentor and an instructor that not only knows how to play really well, like, but knows how to teach and knows like everybody's different. You know, mm -hmm. like you have to approach everyone in a different way. And that's a mark of a good teacher. And if they see that you have that passion, they will instill that passion in you and give it to you back. Because I know I, this as an educator. Well, like, I, I, I'm, I'm not a, you know, I don't have a degree or anything, but I know that with uh, when I was teaching kids, it's like everybody's problems are different because based on what they think or how they feel. I right. actually really love teaching kids because you ask a kid to do something, they just do it. They don't think about it. They don't care about it. They don't worry about it. They just do it. And I think that's why kids learn faster than we do because they just, you say do it. They don't worry about, well, what's everybody going to think? You know, you get to be 12, 13, you worry about what everybody thinks. And so I really liked them about eight, nine, 10, uh, 10 is a perfect age because they're super smart at that age. And they just, they just go for it. They just, they, and, and that's the, that's the key to it is just not worrying about the more you worry about singing, the worse you sound. You just got to let it go. Absolutely correct. You got to let it go. Like, you know, my stepdaughter, 12 years old, she's so smart. She, they, kids pick up things so quickly. And as an educator, I've noticed that. And then I also understood the learning curve of adults. Like when I taught adults that were like anywhere between 30 to like as old as 70 years old. Like you learn their learning curve. And, you know, for me, I'm trying to learn different things. I'm 42, right? Mm -hmm. I don't so want to tell you how old I am. <laughs> it, it, it's like, it's hard. 
it, it's really difficult. Like physicality, like physical things, like it's different. If I'm boxing or doing mixed martial arts or stunts, like, yeah, all right, that's easier. But if I'm trying to learn like a different language or right. like, you know, how to go back to bartending, which I'm trying to do and stuff like that, it's nope. like, Man, just so right, you know, I lost my job of 22 years due to COVID. So, and because of my age, I'm not getting hired back. So, okay, where were you working? If you don't mind me asking, if uh, I was working at the Fiesta Henderson, I opened. Oh wow, I used to go there a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah, I worked at the sports bar. I was there. I was literally number one, and and they're not going to open it up. So, oh, so but you know, it's like a blessing in disguise. Right now, I've just been kind of um, trying to find who I am. Mm -hmm. um, thank God my husband's, you know, super money smart. And uh, he's been very patient with all of this filmmaking. He's really not into the filmmaking, but you know, when I do need him, he's there. So that's good. Uh, but support mechanism, my wife did the same thing. Like during COVID, what happened with me is that, you know, I was teaching a lot of people. I was running a business and like everyone else I suffered and so I took some chances. I did a film with Eric Roberts, which was awesome. And I, I'm so excited for people to see it. And uh, I was really happy with the performance and, and what everyone did there. Uh, my wife was supportive. I went through 10 different states in literally three months, shot a bunch of different things. And, you know, she was cool. But, like, now it's like, okay, you know, I'm at the point where um, – I still want to do it. I still enjoy it, but it's time to get a job again. <laughs> you know, like it's honestly, time to start earning some serious money. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I, when I worked there, I worked there for 22 years and I said, this is my last bartending job. And I was only going to work two more years and then go into the film thing. And so COVID kind of launched me back or more Good. into the film thing. Um, I, if, if they open up, I can go back and have everything I had before, but you know, the jobs people are offering me are like timeshare sales. It's like, that is not a job <laughs> and, and it's not worth it to go back to take a job like that at 10 or 12 bucks an hour. No, I, I'm just, no, no. I would rather, I would rather, you know, I do have a, a filmmaking business. Um, and so basically I'm just kind of working on my skills, taking a lot of online classes, um, and just working with great people. What so, kind of online classes are you taking? Oh, just like things like uh, I, I'm taking 14 Day Filmmaker, which has been really good because they make you practice. And it's super cheap. It's like, I want to say it's like $49 and you get to keep it for life. So that's what I, I, I like that. Um, I really need to take a, a script supervisor class because uh, between... The ADs and I, we've never script supervised before this and things get a little wonky yeah. in editing. So we need, so I need to, you know, when I always, when I'm on set, I kind of learned the things that I need to learn and then I go, and then I'll go and learn it. And of course we do a lot of YouTube videos, but like right today I'm trying to do like the, the comedic mouth you know, that moves. So I have to go and write, I don't know. I, I think I've watched three videos and I still don't get it, but I'll get there. <laughs> all right. So I said, this was only going to go a half hour, but I could talk to you all day. So I got more questions. If okay. Good. Okay. So the COVID thing was actually a plus for me. I did. Now I think you're going to be my 80th interview uh -huh. in uh, under a year. Right. <laughs> like I was right. talking to everyone like out there from boxers to directors to musicians. Uh -huh. and 
I like that you found a way to salvage, you know, the duress, the, the complications we had from this thing because it was a setback. But my man Evander Holyfield always said a setback paves a way for a comeback. So exactly where did that whole thing come into play? Did you always have that in the back of your mind that you wanted to do something with film? Oh, yeah. I out there? Yeah. I have. I, so when I did an, uh, Project 3000, I had a guy coming to my bar because I was a bartender. And uh, he had retired from CBS Studios as a manager. And so he and I became very good friends. And he, he invited me through his best friend, who is the president of the Producers Guild of America, to a conference. And so when we, so I brought my partner in the movie with me and here we are in LA, you know, we drive down there. We stay at my daughter's apartment, which wasn't that nice because, you know, LA is expensive. And, and we went to this conference and we met Mark Gordon and we met Seth Rogen and we met uh, Vince Van Patten. So it, it, it was a big experience. And uh, I always recommend filmmakers to do that. So, and even though I probably shouldn't have said this, he gave us the tickets for free. And when we met him, so we introduced ourselves to him. He, uh, the president, he said, he said, I'm so glad you girls came, but don't tell anybody I caught these tickets. I never do that. So we were pretty, we were very lucky. Um, and so I've gone every, every year until COVID, but I, I've always been gearing up and taking classes and meeting people. And um, I go, like, I'm hoping they do it again this year because they do, I'm not a member yet. I would like to be someday, but I'm not a member yet, but at least um, you, anybody can go to this conference and it's, it's worth every penny. And it's like, I can get it for a third the price because I've gone four times, but you learn, you meet, learn stuff, you meet people. Uh, it, it's pretty incredible. The lady sat next to me was, um, uh, Oh, God, I can't remember her name. Um, but she was actually opening up a studio hangar uh, for Tyler Perry, and she was his she was his president. So uh, she was literally, like, in the chair next to me, and we talked for a long time. So I've made a lot of contacts that way. That, that's what it is. It's all about networking. And you spoke about comedy. Okay, so I'm a big stand-up guy. Like, I, I mean, I don't I – don't, who stand up comedian mm -hmm. like comedy, but mm -hmm. like I love uh George Carlin, yep, Mom. one of my favorites well, of all time. Eddie Murphy, he comedian, he was like a real guy. Chris Rock, yeah, dude, he would break down like life learned lessons, right? <laughs> he was right. so good. Do you have a favorite stand up? Oh, that's a good one. Um, mm -hmm. I, I love stand up comedy. Um, do I have a favorite stand up? I don't know. I've always liked like the Eddie Murphys of the world and um, Raw. Yeah, amazing. I like, yeah, um, there's a couple of new ones. I like Chelsea Handler. I think she's pretty funny. Uh, you know, th there's a, there's a couple. I just can't think of them right now. Uh, but stand up comedy to me is like. See, when you make a series, a comedy series, it's different because you can make it for you if you think it's funny. If they, if the audience doesn't think it's funny, it's okay. You know, uh, 
So that's, so comedy is very subjective. So, you know, what I think is funny may not be funny. I had this lady and she's in one of the episodes and she added a fart joke into the thing. And, you know, most people think that's super funny, but I go, it's just, doesn't fit with what we're doing you know what I mean right insisting I was like and I she goes well maybe it's just my humor I go just because you just because I don't think it's funny doesn't mean it's funny it's just that I don't think it fits which is a whole different ball game and you know being a man and a woman a woman might find something funny so you just have to do comedy for yourself and um and I always play the straight guy in in mom squad I do not play the comedy I write zany characters around my straight character so, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, for me, like I was saying, Eddie Murphy, raw, delirious, incredible. George Carlin, Dice Clay at times could be, you know, very entertaining. Chris Rock, Chris yeah. Rock, you know, um, yeah. Kings of Comedy was one of my favorite ones. Bernie Mac, you know, all those great guys that were a part of that. Cedric the Entertainer. Um, speaking of great guys, the Mahal brothers. Yeah. Okay. Now you're doing something called Tommy Knockers. You're also acting in that, correct? I actually already did that. They're in um, uh, post production. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you what. I saw their audition and I was concerned about. I really wanted the part because who, what woman doesn't want to play a madam in the 1800s? <laughs> I mean, you know, and uh, I know Rolf uh, who wrote wrote it originally and then he had help but um I know him and I thought I really need to make them see me as this character so I dressed up for it and I worked on it for probably three days and I took what they wrote and I actually just made it my own because I think being a writer helps a little bit because yes. I I didn't play it like it was written I kind of played it more motherly and that I cared about my girls. And um, yeah, they cast me. I was shocked. I think I get shocked every time I get cast. though. <laughs> but I was shocked. And then when I went to um, to the shoot, which was in California, in the snow, <laughs> mind you, um, I, I felt really good about it because I hadn't, haven't been taking any acting classes since COVID. And I felt kind of rusty. And I had uh, six producers saying, wow, I saw your audition. Wow, I saw your audition. I was like, that, I mean, there's no bigger compliment when you're an actor um, to, to be able to come across, especially when you're self-taping. Yeah. You know, that's a, I, yeah, I get, even when I did Abigail Haunting, that was, that was a whole, I did not expect to get cast, <laughs> but I, I knew, I, I knew, I knew I fit it. I just have to show people that, you know, I think when I did the Abigail Haunting audition, I didn't wear one stitch of makeup. It was late at night. I had dark circles in my eye. I had terrible lighting, and I did wow. it on purpose because I wanted him to see me as this creepy person because I know Kelly very personally. He's a good friend, and, you know, he he was like, it would, he, would, he was like, he, you know, we're, we're going to have to, like, ugly you up and everything. I was like, hey, I'm an actor. I can do anything, so... You know, it's funny how we adapt. Like, I was doing a scene, I'll relate, in, in, a, in a different way, but I was doing a scene for We Five, movie coming out. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing was, is that I had to have a cigarette, you know, but, and I had to keep smoking this cigarette because we had to keep reshooting because they wanted multiple takes and they had a limited amount of cameras, you know, yeah, and whatnot. 
And then I had a halfy cigarette because uh-huh. I died it out. And plus, I was tired of smoking so many damn cigarettes. Like, I smoke, but I'm like, geez, man. Like, I had to go through, like, 10 cigarettes in, like, you know, 20 minutes. Like, I- I'm-, I'm dying over here now. <laughs> you know, like. I actually so- had this. Yeah. Go ahead. Terrible. So then, you know, I had the halfy. And people were like, that's a halfy. I'm like, well, the thing is, like, my character, it fit the role. I said, my character is always on the go. Like, I played a Secret Service agent. I had no time to myself. Any single moment I had some time to do something, I had to go someplace else. So I couldn't even finish a cigarette. So it would make sense that I had a halfy. And the director was like, yo, congratulations. Like, that's because you have to think. You have to adapt with the character. I think, too. uh, Flow. Yep. Because I, you know, I have a couple of smokers in my movie. They're not real smokers. And so I bought those cigarettes that are supposed to look like you're smoking, but they just didn't work. So they were like, (laughs) no, we'll just smoke real cigarettes. I was like, okay. And so, you know, and and these are non-smokers and they're smoking for this film that they're not getting paid much for. And uh, it was, it was deaf. That was, I think, a big challenge. And of course, we're smoking in my girlfriend's house. So that was another challenge. Uh, But Yeah, smoking, I think, um, at least when I use smoking in my script, it kind of shows your dark side. People who, and it's not that people who smoke are dark, but I think they're edgier. And I think that that's why you, you, you know, my character, Mary, she's, she's a chronic smoker and she's dying from it. And I use the cigarettes as her way of showing this young girl that she's basically killing herself on purpose. Like she's done. So, you know, it's a little darker and edgier. I think you can use props like that as part of the story if you really think of why, why does that character smoke? So. You you know what it is? The smoking makes people look cool. Like I don't do it to be cool. I wish I didn't smoke. I don't smoke much. You know, I'm an occasional smoker, but I I do enjoy my cigarettes and a cigar here and there, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe a joint every once in a while. Why not? Mm -hmm. You know, but here's what's up. Like what are the fake cigarettes? Like, I don't think I've ever had that. It's you suck in, you blow out. So it, you and it'll, it'll be like, it's like powder and that goes up and uh, it'll, I don't know. They did not work. Just so you know, I bought them. They did not work. (laughs) Um, but my actors were, they were like, it's okay, I'll just smoke a real cigarette. So my girlfriend, who was the only person who smoked up there, <laughs> she pretty much gave up all of her cigarettes. So yeah, I, owe, I think I owe her a couple packs, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's a thing. But I think, you know, when you use a prop, it, it, I don't know if it makes you look cool. I think in the old days, everybody smoked. So then, you know, the women were sexier or whatever when they yeah. smoked. But I think in the, today's time when you're filming, it, it makes them a little edgier in the way that um, they're kind of defying uh, what people are think about smoking. Like they're defying that. Like everybody's like, don't be a smoker. Don't do this. Don't do that. And then they're doing it. So it shows them, it just shows you they're a little edgier. Like they don't really care what other people think. So that's part of their character. Did they get addicted to cigarettes after you gave them like the, no <laughs> real solid that good no and i keep hearing about it too <laughs> i mean i appreciate everything that they did it but yeah and i get it uh yeah i guess they were committed to the project so it didn't bother me. yeah no no addicted smokers here thank god what us actors do 
for rolls. Like, let me tell you, like, we'll, we'll take on cigarettes if, if we don't even smoke, you know? Like, oh, my God. So it's a tough life. Yeah, well, uh, I actually have two. So Mom Squad is kind of a different thing. And it seems like, and I don't know why I write it this way or what's going on in my head, but basically... I don't know what's happened, but it seems like every man in this series has had their pants down at some point in time. And I don't know what- What kind of film are you making? Not to cut you off. What is this? It's a micro series. So it'll go, yeah, but yeah. So that's what uh, the DP was asking me. He was saying, uh, what did he say to me? He goes, are we making American pie? And I was like, no, it's just the situation and it makes it funny. So I don't know. I mean, (laughs) I don't know what it is. It, it, it just because of what you know what's happening in the situation so what's going on with all the pants being off like what is I this? have no idea and it's funny because I didn't realize it but it, then I was like oh wow we're doing this again and the thing is is that the actor they didn't they weren't naked they were like in boxers or whatever but yeah. it, it was just the idea it was like you know <laughs> and one of the guys was super young and he was like he was super he was a big sport about it you know I think for an actor it's hard to uh Especially you get a whole room full of people and you're, you know, you're, even you're pulling down to your boxers. It's very, it's very difficult. Because you have to think that they're not there. I I did a scene in a film recently where I had to have a romantic scene, kind of, sort of, right? Mm -hmm. And I've been with the same woman for eight years, my wife, Uh and exclusively, and I didn't, luckily I didn't have to make out. And that's part of like my whole thing, my stipulation when I do a film, I'm like, I'm not doing any kind of physical, like, thing like that like I'm very exclusive to my wife but I did have a scene where I had to touch a woman's face right. and like brush her and and I was so like awkward it was so terrible it was the only time I heard cut on the set I think too that's why you go to class like that's what I mean yeah. class is the interaction because yeah it's those little things because you don't think it means a lot, but just touching somebody's face like that intimately is it's not diff- Yeah, it's very different. And so, like, I suggested to the director, I'm like, how about I just pick her head up because I'm supposed to, like, uplift her. And it's like, keep your head up, keep your chin up, like, type of thing. But I was not very comfortable with the intimacy. Like you said, that's why you take classes. And I've never, I've never taken classes. Have you taken classes? Oh my God. I took classes with Ryan Williams for two years and he's tough, man. He yells at you. He, oh, he's super Christ. tough. He's a great director. And um, I learned so much from his film class because um, he explains everything. He explains stillness. He explains how to open yourself up. If you're like a, a minor part in a, in a movie, you right. can literally steal the show by just one tiny little thing. So you, those are things that somebody who has been doing it a long time and who's a really good director can pick up on. Um, and, and he, he kn- knows every angle. And he knows, he teaches you, it's not just acting. And it's also, um, you know, if you're not into it or say you're improv he tells, he teaches you about the five emotions that you use. Yeah. And, it, and I'm telling you, it breaks it down to very simple math. And uh, I was just talking to uh, the co-writer of Mom Squad last night and he and I were talking, it's like, we, we met in class and um, I, we both missed class because your memory is better because every week you're learning a scene and when you get to the scene you got a three-page scene and you don't even think that you're going to remember everything and then for some reason 
you we just like would nail it. So it's very so memorization it helps with it helps with interaction with other people. Um, and then uh, when Ryan left for uh, Atlanta, uh, we started just doing our own class. So we would just meet at the Indie Film Factory and we would just do scene work because I feel like I learned more doing scene work with another person. And luckily for me, my classmates were very dedicated. So we would meet once a week and actually like block it out and get it together. And because Ryan demanded that. Like you couldn't just show up to class and go, okay, we got a scene, here's three pages, go out in the hallway. No, there was none of that, none of that. So you had to be prepared. We did get to rehearse a little bit, but yeah, you had to know at nuances, he would pick, you know, you can, as an actor, you can go into a scene and read it and read it the way it's written, but can you tear it apart? Can you break it all down? That's what you go to class for. You break it all down you know, you write yourself notes. I always write it on paper so my brain will imprint whatever it is. And then once you're done, you you go you go to class and you go, okay, it's do or die. And, and you just let that go, like singing, right? You just let it go because you go to automatic pilot and, um, and then you just play the emotion that goes along with all this information that you've already given your head. What I love about acting, um, for me, it was weird how it happened. Like, I've been doing this podcast, and I've been, you know, talking to boxers, directors, artists, musicians, film producers, directors, and then someone suggested that I be an actor. I'm like, okay, you know, um, I'll give it a shot. Why not? Like, crazier things are happening in the world right now <laughs> over the past couple of years, so why not try to act? And what I did is I pulled in some of my favorite uh, actors um, with my acting. What I try to do is like James Gandolfini from Sopranos. He acts with his eyes. He acts very physically. Uh, his pacing is very good. Uh, obviously, I mentioned Eric Roberts. I, I think he's wonderful um, and just a great guy and a great friend. Um, you know, like there were certain people I, I kind of like was looking at to, uh, you know, put put together a role that I was trying to do for certain things. Like every role you have to approach, like you said approach, that is the key to everything in life, no matter what it is. If you're gonna be a bartender, if you're gonna be a musician, if you're gonna be an actor, actress, whatever, like, um, it's like, how do I approach this scenario? And uh, luckily I, I had a really good run with uh, the the last production I did, and uh, I, I, I was I without acting school like, and now I'm starting to think that you know I'm not trying to brag or toot my own horn, but now I'm trying to think like you know hey, maybe if you go to acting school you could you could get even better. You know I'm not going to be no De Niro, I, Pacino, but you know maybe the difference maybe between like there are people who are natural actors, and I think you're a natural creative because you are a musician and you're all these things. Um, I think the natural creative is a, is, is definitely a thing. Some people are not creative. So being a natural creative is your critical thinker. So I think you, you kind of think on a different level, but yeah, even when you, when you play drums, you have to break it down. When you, when you mm -hmm. sing a song, you have to break it down. You have to be in rhythm. You have to, so Yes, you do need lessons to to keep so that you're not playing the same way every time. And 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 you have to be willing to like adjust 
Um, and then of course you have to adjust to who you're working with. I actually am doing a short film uh, for uh, Colton Diaz and my daughter starring in it. And I'm always second choice. Don't ask me why, but they call because they know I'll show and I'll, I'll do my job, but uh, some, they usually like cast other people because they're younger or whatever. And then it's like, if they don't show up, it's like, we'll call my mom. <laughs> so, or call my friend or whatever. But um, I feel like I learn a lot when I'm on set and the interaction. I feel really comfortable with my daughter, which is very unusual for us, but we've worked together for so many years that I listen to her because she's got, she's got a degree in acting. So I'm, wow. I, you know, yeah, my daughter went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. She was the first person from Nevada ever accepted. She is oh. literally a, yeah, she's got a degree in acting and she's amazing. Where uh, could we follow her to listeners? Uh, that, uh, oh, go to yeah, plugger.com yep. and you can check out her website. It's phenomenal. She's hysterically funny. And uh, another reason why she didn't, didn't, couldn't do Rogue Angel was because she was called in, uh, called up to, they only take 150 people and Saturday Night Live found her, called her agent and her manager. And so she had, she sent in an audition for Saturday Night Live. So she's, she's super funny. Um, if anybody wants to look at a really funny sketch, uh, she has a sketch out there called Herpes for Musher that she did a few years ago and it's freaking hilarious but she's very very funny very funny that is great you know and uh you know when when you see i mean for my stepdaughter you know <clears throat> excuse me when i see her uh growing as a talent you know and she wants to do music and now she's like seeing me act and she's like well i want to act now and mm -hmm. i'm like great you're 12 years old like now's the time. Like I'm 42. I'm, I'm I started this thing six months ago. Yeah, I've honestly, luckily been involved in four films. But I, I mean, it, yeah, I think it's great for kids to get involved in acting. I don't think you should ever put in their brains that that's what they are, what what they do. I think it's good to be social uh, in an acting situation. And this is somebody who you know I've trained kids. I've helped kids. Um, I, my, my daughter's taken tons of acting lessons. Um, I feel like if, if kids are doing it for the stardom and the fame, then they shouldn't be doing it. Uh, most actors shouldn't be doing it for the stardom and the fame. They should do it for the project. And I think creativity and the creativity, because it opens up their mind and it makes them smarter and better critical thinkers. So, um, at 12 year old, I would say, yeah, do it, but just remember, you know, um, it's tough. And, oh, yeah. it, and and it's not tough because they they are or not talented. It's tough because if you're not a certain type and that's not what Hollywood's looking for, you're going to get passed over. It doesn't matter how great you are. It matters what they're looking for. So, you know, right now uh, we're looking for transgender. We're looking for Latinas. We're looking for... Uh, uh, African-American, I mean, that's what black, that's what they're looking for. Uh, Asian, Asian's really big right now. It, it will balance out eventually, but right now it's like those roles are coming up and that's, and that's the reality that we live in. So, um, you know, kids in school, they get picked for their talent. You're, you know? you're correct. And, and, uh, it's all about what they're looking for. And I, I got one more question for you. And this was a great, 
great time, by the way. Yeah, and it could be heard on iHeart, Spotify, YouTube. Everything will be up in a little while. Google, Amazon. Okay. Got to go through all the things. And we'll plug you in a moment and let no people know how they find you. Uh, you do documentaries. I'm a big documentary junkie. Like, I, I watch, like, pretty much all of them. Like, whether it's the Kurt Cobain suicide or 9-11 stuff. Yeah. Um, the documentaries, like, that's a whole different animal. That's a lot of research, right? So, mine was a docudrama. Okay. And, of course, you know, I'm a big advocate for teens because I feel like, especially out here in Vegas, I don't think people realize the problems that there are. Um, there's a lot of teens that are homeless, and because they're not small children, they get overlooked, and they're not adults either. So, I really felt like uh, my husband and I were driving down the road, and we saw this kid and a um, normal looking kid and everything, uh, but he was on the freeway and um, he was dirty and stuff, but he had this sign and it says, I just want to finish high school. Wow. So that was pretty powerful. So of course I'm a bartender and I talked to this girl and her husband discovered film school. So we decided to partner up and, uh, and we did a lot of investigating and there's a lot of things we didn't like. And we had a lot of people trying to control the project because, you know, we'll, they have, you know, they run these kid things, and uh, it got pretty convoluted. Um, I, I did it drama because I felt like uh, I I wanted to add a little, you know, scripted stuff in there. Uh, but the documentary stuff was tough. I can remember doing crazy things like going down Las Vegas Boulevard in the really bad part of town, and literally going out my girlfriend's sunroof and I'm filming these people on a, on an H a little, little tiny uh, Sony camera as we're going by. And it was just scary. It, we, we did a lot of scary stuff. There's these two women who's like, we're filming. And then we're like, go, 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 go. Because you, <laughs> you have to do a lot of crazy stuff. And we were two women. We didn't have any men around. So it was, it was pretty uh, interesting. Uh, it was important. Um, if anybody wants to watch it, it's Project 3000. I actually had an actor friend of mine, Joe Palablinski, play one, a really bad dude in the movie. It was just a small little scene. But he said to me, I don't know if I can do it. Because he's such a nice guy, you know, and it's such a creepy little role. And I was like, but you're an actor. And he tells me, probably, he says his wife watches that movie three or four times because she just loves the message in it. So, uh I, I'm really proud of that. And we wrote, all, my partner wrote most of the music. We wrote a song together. It was a definite collaborative effort. But documentaries are tough because you have to do a lot of research. They can be easy, depending on the subject you pick. Mine was tough because we're dealing with people's lives. You know, and that's a, there's no fantasy in that. What I always say, in, uh, when I approach a show, you got to keep it right and keep it tight. Like that, that's my philosophy. Like uh, if, if you're going to do things and, and bring people that, that are great, such as yourself on, you want to make sure that you do the proper research, you know, even with like music, when I do, you know, uh, a lot of things, like I did a, a, a film soundtrack recently. It's like, I want to make sure, like, I know the scene. I want to make sure I know what the director wants. Like, um, and the musicians I work with are, under the same understanding about like you know where the song should be and how long the clip should be and like what the vibe is and th that's 
that's all about being an artist. But I also think that that's, you know, common sense in life. Like, just know your role, right? Like, just. Yeah, I think so. And I think you can change roles. I mean, I've changed roles in life so many times. Uh, right. I think, uh, what you're describing is, so film is a big art form, just like a painting. You're You're painting a picture. So I think you have to look at it like that. Like, if you're an actor, you're stroke on that on that on that canvas. So, and if you're not a good stroke, then the whole painting falls apart. So, I think it's all about uh, just layering your painting, layering your paints, mixing them together, and and doing the work. I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, <laughs> but I enjoy it, and that's it's just my passion. And maybe I'm a I'm probably a little crazy. But yeah, I've always been the creative and it's important for people to just do what they love because we do not get a lot of time on this earth. And if you waste a lot of time, you're not going to get done the things that I don't want to go to my grave and go, what if, you know, if I want to do something, I do it. If I write a movie, I write it for me. Absolutely. And and, and that's what Tarantino says, write it for you. You know, there's people, you know, it, it, you people always say, well, what's your demographic? I go, uh, middle-aged woman. I don't know. My demographic is what I like to watch and what I like to see. And, um, and I'm, you know, I think I'm pretty young at heart. So, and I listen to younger people too, because it's important, you know, what they are passionate about is might be something totally different than what I'm passionate about because of their age group and what what they're living in. So I ask a ton of questions, you know, you're, you're very young at heart. And it's so (laughs) funny that you said the word passion. That's how I started the show talking about creativity and passion and we're bookending it that way. Mm -hmm. And that's what I see. And, And you're very young at heart, like your enthusiasm, believe me, I feel it. Like I, I, whenever I get passionate about something, I, I don't stop. Like you could ask anyone that knows me, my wife, especially like I just get consumed mm-hmm. um, and, and I go forward 110% for success or failure. But in my dojo, there is no defeat. There is no mercy. So right. I go forward a hundred percent. And that, that's really how you have to handle this um, for aspiring you know, actors yeah. that are coming up. I want to tell people that if you really want to be successful in the film industry, it's mm-hmm. not, you can make a crappy film, but did you finish it? That's what Seth Rogen, I don't think this is the first class I took. He said, you know what? They they hired a guy based on a small film that he made at a film festival. And then he, he sent it to him. He said, yeah, the cinematography sucked. The sound was horrible. He goes, he goes, but he goes, did we like the story? We loved the story. And what we loved most about it was he freaking finished it. He goes, do you know how people say, oh, I'm going to do this, or I'm writing a movie, or I'm doing this? Yeah, you got to finish. If you don't finish, nobody cares, you know? So whether you're a musician, writer, actor, painter, you can own those things, but you better finish because every, and especially with social media, everybody's watching. You got me fired up right now. Like I have uh, some tracking to do for drums today. Uh Another show I'm doing later. Right. Just motivated me. (laughs) Right. Just got to do it. And it's funny because I actually have a podcast too. It's called uh, Real Women Celebrating Women. Okay. Let's talk about it. I have taken time off from doing that because of all this other craziness that I'm doing. So 
uh, once I get my last day in, I will start up and I'm going to start up with the uh, casting crew of Rogue Angel. And then I will move on to uh, the Lucky Seven directors. And so I just felt like it was just gotten to be too much. And so, um, and I think it's okay to put it down, but I, you never put it out, you know? So it's okay to put things down and, and go back to them later, but just make sure you go back, you know, don't right. quit, never quit. Never quit. That's exactly right. And um, everything for me in life is a metaphor to boxing. Like I, I'm a huge boxing guy. You got to fight all those rounds. You don't quit. Like uh, the great Evander Holyfield. Like I always quote him. Like he, he has a tremendous amount of quotes. Like you finish the project, you know, for better or for worse, you get it's out okay there. You get knocked down. It's, it's okay, okay, but you got to get up. That's right. You got to get up. Yeah. And, and so, um, I appreciate your time today. Like, it was so great that you jumped on. I really love this interview. It'll be up. Yeah, this was a great time. I had a blast with you. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, oh, a lot of fun. I I'm glad you enjoyed yourself as well. Um, I'll send you all the links in a little while. But could we tell people about your links to your social media, where we could find you, how we could discover you? Uh, you can... Well, I'm, I'm on, I'm a big Facebooker. I'm just getting into the Instagram thing um, and TikTok because my, my, uh, one of my partners in mom squad is like, no, no, you have to do TikTok. So um, I, I've had a hard time keeping up, but I am on Facebook, Brenda Daly. I am also on IMDB. Um, and uh, I, I do have like several accounts on Facebook and then I'm, I'm on Instagram. I'm Mama Bird Nest because that is my uh, company. Mama Bird Productions, and uh, yeah, right now I don't have a website or anything. I actually have paid for websites. I haven't had time to sit down and put it together. So, uh, but Mom Squad is going to be the next. And then what's happening at the end of at, when they show Rogue Angel in January eighth of twenty twenty two, I'm going to have a trailer of Mom Squad in front of every single film. So I get to do. I'm doing dual. So I think that that's, I think I'm excited about that date. So people should go. It would be. Yeah. It's put a lot of work exciting. into that. Yeah. There's going to be 1,400 people going to this Galaxy Theater. We'll see. I hope so. But we'll see how it happens. But I think a lot of important people are going to be there. Well, you know, th that's great. I, I When you see like, you know, the uh, the labor of your love get paid off where people are appreciating it and they get to like take it in. Like as a musician, I know about this. Like this is a very big thing. Like when people like actually listen back to the music or um, if there's anything that you do creatively and people are supportive of it, it feels so good. That That's the payoff. Like we talk about money. We talk about all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's great. Everyone likes to get paid. But sometimes the, the real reward, especially if you really give a shit about being a passionate, creative artist, it's about what you're doing and how it's respected more so than it's monetized. Like money is great. Don't get me wrong. If anyone wants to pay me, go ahead. Throw me. I'll, I'll give you my Venmo. Right. Like, go ahead. <laughs> Throw me the money. But it, it, it's great when people respect you. And I think the thing about this film festival or this the festival that they're doing is um, they're all going to be 
filmmakers. And of course, as a director, you're like, oh, they're going to see every flaw. They're going to call me on this. They're going to call me on that because they know. These people know they are not stupid people. No. They're filmmakers and they're going to call me on every little thing. And I'm just going to have to sit there and smile and watch that movie and cringe because I'll know that I only had so much time and I know why that's bad, but I can't. You know what I mean? So I'm hoping that I can pull it off. That's a, it's a big deal. <laughs> I got obliterated when I sent my screenplay to some people. They're like, this is really good treatment, but this here doesn't make sense there. You have to do this. You don't have to do so much of that. Do more of this. Do less of that. You're like, wow. And that, now it's to a place. I'm going to actually send it to you. Okay. It's, it's to a place where... It's like, it's got a good hybrid of everything, comedy, drama, martial arts, all this type of stuff. You know, uh, it fits like the genre that I'm trying to write for. But like, you know, it's like, they, like you don't have to describe everything. I'm like, there's a tree in the background and there's wind. And they're like, you don't have to do that. Like in a tree. Is well, yeah, yeah. I, and uh you know, my, my screenplay is only 80 pages and everybody was giving me a hard time about that. I think. Yeah, uh, I was 91. I got, I, I got submit, 91. Yeah. When you submit a film to like the studio, your film that they accepted, that they decided to make and they hired those big stars will look nothing, absolutely nothing like what you gave them. So I think that's the thing about the independent filmmaker. It's like, well, I want my film to look like what I I wanted it to look like. So Hollywood's great. I would love to sell them a screenplay. I don't care if they mess with it. Show me the money. But <laughs> just so you know, that's that's a thing. Like everybody's got an opinion and you just, as a, as a writer, you have, I can't spell for crap. I can't punctuate for crap. I literally, and my mom always tells me, well, you can just pay people for that because you're creative. And it's like, okay. And then I put myself out there and I'll get like notes about punctuation and stuff from other writers. And it's like, you know what? That's not my forte. That's not what I do. I use spell check and it can screw it up sometime for me, but that's just, but I'm not going to stop doing it. I'm not going to be offended or upset about it. I'm just going to do it and see what they say. You know what's hilarious to talk about spelling? I'm atrocious. Like today I made a shopping list before we went um, on this interview. I went grocery shopping and I had, I, I put down calamari and my wife's like adding to the list of stuff that we need. Uh -huh. And she's like, what, what is that? I'm like, it's calamari. She, I, I spelt it so badly, oh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I'm like, I know what it means. But that's yeah. all that matters. <laughs> is that if well, you know. I think, too, you know, it, sometimes it's not about how intelligent you are. It's just about exactly. uh, your brain's going 10 different places, especially when you're multitasking and doing all these other things. So to me, it's, it's just a priority. Other people, that's their priority. It's like if I spent all my time on that priority, I could never get anything done. So exactly. I just don't make it. So, yeah, and my mom's a great speller, but uh, she's she's always been like, she double checks me because she's like, you don't need to, honey, and this is my mother, you don't really need, you're creative, you just need to go do what you do, and I'm like, yeah, that's how people get things done, don't worry about it, don't, I, I don't, I don't worry about it, people always go out, you know, once I got over the punctuation and the spelling, and it's like, okay, I, those, probably somebody I don't want to work with. 
Yeah. You know, you just, you roll with the punches, man. Like you, you go with the flow and you go with what you know. That's what I always say, you know, like, but, uh, th this was a wonderful time. I cannot thank you, thank forever, you so. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I got more questions I want to ask you. So we'll do a sequel. Because, for sure. Uh, for sure. Once the movie's done, I would love to do another one. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, it, it would, it would be good. We'll just see how it all goes, goes. I don't know how it's going to go. Because I can't wait to see the movie. It's like, yeah, me too. I can't wait. We are 90% edited, though. so that's Wow, already? Yeah, yeah. Glenn and I, Glenn's been working really hard. I've been working kind of hard. But Glenn's been just, yeah, he's been. Excellent progress. Like, um, I just got my pilot uh, for, well, the, the initial, like, uh, footage for the film I was in. Uh, Eric Roberts is there. Eliza, some great actors. And uh, I watched some of it, and it, it's it's great. It's like so great to see. I'm like, wow, this really happened. And they put the music in, and it makes everything so much more like theatrical, you know? Oh yeah, we added the music to the fight scene, and it's like it, it's not the music we're gonna use, right? But it it just makes it so much better. It makes it run a little faster too. Well, that that's the thing too, which is crazy, is that you know you do things like uh, stunts or you see things in film and it looks so quick, but when you actually do them in real time, they're not that fast. Right. And, and so for people that are like stunt training, I'm going to say this, like I'm a boxer, a mixed martial artist and all that kind of stuff. It's like, it's a crazy like adjustment going from like what you think you know about fighting to stunt. Like, well, that's like what you think you know about acting exactly it's all you exactly yeah i couldn't go in a boxing ring and know what i was doing that's crazy why it, would it, i do that exactly you know I, like it would take years of training and uh and then working on certain things that i might not be good at i wouldn't be good at any of it but <laughs> but i'm just saying you i know, disagree because you have way too much passion and commitment so <laughs> i'm gonna give you a compliment take okay, it okay. <laughs> okay well thanks john i gotta yep do your <laughs> thing i'll give you all the links as soon as they're done i appreciate your time so much today oh you too thanks a lot john thank you